What is up guys, my name is Faisal and welcome to Axis for Nerds, episode um, 4. Uh, so, before we begin, I would like to say that, Christian Erickson, I hope you recover, my thoughts and prayers are with you, and also thank God that you survived that. And kudos to the medical team, uh, the referee, and everyone involved uh, in saving your life. That was some scary shit, and thank God. Okay, so back to the podcast. There's a lot to talk about, um, but by the title of this episode, mostly it's going to be about E3. Um, but before we start, I guess the first thing we want to talk about is Loki. I want to talk about Loki. Um, as of this recording, episode 2 has been out. I've watched episode 1 and episode 2. So the episode 1 recap was not... Was not... My thoughts was not aired because... My episode 3 was recorded before I watched the episode 1. So we'll just go ahead and just recap both episode 1 and 2. Um... Episode for about episode one, I heard a lot of people loved it. Um, for me, it's in it's the middle of the road. Uh, the episode is basically an a reintroduction on who Loki is as a character, and this is the Loki from. Oh, by the way, before I forget, this is a spoiler-filled uh, discussion. So. N- for those who have not watched and but planning to watch and do not want to get spoiled, yes, it's um bye, see you later. No one is really listening though, so I was like, okay, whatever. So again, episode one is, it's more, of an, introduction episode, through to the characters and the system of the TVA. So, yeah. About episode 1, I heard a lot of people loved it. Um, I'm not sure why. For me, it's okay. It's not the best thing that Marvel has put out. It was carried on, carried through by the characters. The characters, I would say, is really top-notch. But the plot was in the... Is There's no actual plot is a lot of setting up and exposition so that's that's why I was just okay with it I guess it's not the best episode of Marvel television has produced so far which includes one of which is WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'm not gonna rate Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Netflix shows in this. I'm not gonna lump them together because as much as I love them, uh, it's not, now it's not canon uh, by Kevin Feige's de- decree. So, um, stand on their own, it's, they are good shows, but we want to talk about 
the, the canon MC for now. However, the, <laughs> here's the thing. After episode, yeah, I'm I'm moving around here, but seeing how this show involves multiverse, the non the so-called non-canon shows as in Agents of Shields and the Netflix 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 shows would be canon in the future. That would be my guess though, because um, yeah, time travel, multiverse, timey wimey shit. Um, so, it may be important in the long run. Okay, but as for now, the 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 thing has not been established as of yet. So, we'll we'll take it as non-canon for now. So, anyways, episode one of Loki again. The character of Morbius and Loki was the highlight of the show. Everyone would who has watched. Would I think would agree, their chemistry is really good. the The characterization for both is really good. Um. The other characters, especially the time cop. The 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 lady who played Ruby in. Um. Lovecraft Country. I forgot her name. I need to look it up. Uh, she was. Okay. She. She, she provides the antagonistic the antagonist. Uh, character for the two of them, the Loki and Morbius, so, it, she, plays. The annoying. Uh, antagonist in this bureaucracy, so it. I don't know if me not liking her is about her character or just her portrayal of being an authority being an authoritative character but lack that authoritative um, characteristic. What am I saying? But yeah. So anyways, um We'll see about how her character progression goes um, to the future. Um, so the story is just introducing Loki to the TVA and setting him back up to where his... Because this Loki is the Loki from Avengers, Escape from Infinity War. No, sorry, from Endgame. So they need to fast track his character development back to when he died in Infinity War. Oh man, time travel is so so weird. <laughs> um. So, but anyways, yeah. For me, it took the whole episode for them to re-establish that. So, so. This show is six episodes. So, for the first episode to to do that, I feel like. Maybe it's a waste, but I'm I'm not sure. Um, but, anyways, m- yeah, this is what okay, what Mark Bernardin said uh, in Fat Man Beyond. Uh, him and Kevin Smith. What Mark said. Um. Anyways, you guys should listen to that podcast if you don't already. He said that this episode is like when you read a comic. It's 
issue zero, which uh, means that when you in comic books when there's an an over uh, there's an arc in a comic, there is a, usually um, when a write, new writer comes in and wants to write a series or a mini series for a comic, there is sometimes an issue zero which establishes the characters and the environment and the settings but the plot did not move forward and and that's what I feel episode 1 was so yeah so that's my thought on Loki episode 1 so episode 2 which is fresh off my mind because I've just watched it prior to recording um, episode 2 was better um, also, yeah, the highlights, the highlights of the show is the chemistry between for me, for me, anyways, um, Morbius and Loki. So, from episode one and episode two, those two things still remains the same. Their dynamic and their banter was really good. Episode two was better. There is more plot progression going. And character progression, character dialogue happening. Um, so, I was more surprised. I was more enjoying, I guess, uh, episode two. Um, it's yeah. By the way, end of episode one, it, they reveal that the, the plot basically of the story is to hunt down another Loki. So that's why they are using this Loki to. Ha- hunt the other Loki down so episode 2 I'm jumping around here but episode 2 they revealed that the other Loki the so called bad Loki is actually female Loki like I was surprised like, hey since yeah uh, in, in North, uh, Norse mythology um, Loki is gender fluid so he, he or she has given birth prior so it's like if they incorporated some of those uh, mythology but and in the comics also there was there was kid loki there was female loki so is i don't think it's so much of a norse mythology accuracy just that i'm I'm guessing they're giving homage to the other iterations of Loki from the Marvel comics. So that's a plus. That's really cool. Giving other uh, other actors to try to p- portray Loki and see what sticks. I'm guessing that... Yeah, this just occurred to me. All the... Basically, all the new, the new Marvel Disney Plus shows are trying to establish new characters... I would say, um, from the comics into the MCU. So, like, um, in WandaVision, they introduced basically Billy and Tommy, uh, Maximoff, Wiccan and Speed, which are, in the comics, Young Avengers uh, members. They also introduced White Vision, 
So for uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, they basically um, make it official that uh, Sam will be Captain America. And also they introduce um, Patriot. Um, uh, the grandson of the black Captain America. Also founding member of the Avengers. And and for Loki, my guess is the female Loki would be would be be carried out in the future if they want to. Basically, um, handing handling out the mantle of Loki from Tom Hiddleston to this new actress. I haven't looked up. I should have maybe tried to look up some of, make, mm, do some homework on some of the actresses. I'm sorry about that. Forgot. But anyways, the new Loki would might be handling. Yeah, might take the mantle off if Tom Hiddleston stops wanting to do Loki in the future. Same goes for um, Haley Seinfeld as Hawkeye. In this, the Hawkeye series in October might be taking up the mantle from Jeremy Rayner. Basically, um, Clint Barton handling up the Hawkeye mantle to Kate Bishop. So, yeah. Yeah, 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 me thinking about it, I'm guessing that it might be this this are uh, used to be the platform for mental change. So, and I think it's a smart way to do it. I'm guessing that since they know people watch and if there are those who don't they could just do a small recap for when the movies go come out and be done with that um basically they are comic booking this um the whole events like you know when you read comics and they reference an event that previously happened and there's an asterisk that the author would say please refer to issue so and so I'm guessing that's what is there is gonna be in throughout in the future which me as a comic book um, enthusiast don't mind but I'm not sure how the casuals would take it I, I'm guessing the casuals don't really care if if the story if the story beats do not disrupt I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that it's it should be it should be good I guess so anyways uh, Loki episode 2 um, <laughs> um, yeah it's better, better. The, the dialogue for me is snappier about with Owen, uh, with Morbius and Loki about backstabbing me and betraying. And there's this one scene about the fatality of free will in the, ta- in the timeline. 
that is for me a good maybe red flag to finally because people have has been theorizing anyways that the TVA might be the bad guy in in the overall plot of the show because if one if one timeline is the correct timeline um, the concept of free will is is benign I was so media has portrayed free in previous storytelling and in previous things that that free will is ultimately good that's what usually Hollywood would do so I'm guessing that being predeterministic might be what finally what what clues us in that the TVA is actually the bad guy in all this so yeah the show the episode 2 talk about that and and there's some basically fight scenes the fight scenes are okay i guess for me um, it's not it's not falcon and the winter soldier good it's it's but i'm guess but again it's not the thing that you want in a low-key show anyways but i don't know some might not for me though so there might be some that are disappointed in the action being so uh, less but for me episode 2 is better because of the snappier dialogue the plot progression and things like that and it's time travel i'm a sucker for time travel wait i'm let me correct that i'm a sucker for good time travel story so the verdict is still out but i'm hopeful there's a lot of talk about nexus events and everything so things like that also gets me excited since it's it's theorizing the bigger events of the marvel cinematic universe basically multiverses making everything previous was previously canon which which funnily enough is it was a dc thing crisis on infinite earth <laughs> but anyways yeah that's my thought on loki there's some other things that i want to talk about but um the show is to me it's more complicated than the regular marvel shows so i might need some more time to uh scramble my thoughts on this before I I dedicate a, and I'll dedicate a whole a whole episode in the future about this maybe once the all six episodes were, is, was aired and we get a f- fuller picture on it because God knows yeah WandaVision and 
uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier went off for a fucking good start. But the last episode for me fell a bit flat. One Vision less, uh, more flat than Falcon and Winter Soldier. But the highs are very good. So I guess cancels out the low. Also, that might be controversial take. I don't know. Might not be. I saw people online um, discussing those two shows' endings and the less stellar reception on that. So I might not be in the minority on that. But I do hope that um, Loki sticks the landing. So anyways, another thing before we go to the E3 topic it's just basically uh, updating on Euro 2020 earlier I was talking about um, Christian Eriksen suffering a heart attack when playing for Denmark against Finland so first of all thank god that he survived oh my god shit was scary yo. shit was really scary um, but yeah, thank God that he survived. Anyways, um, for the matches and the, and my thoughts on it, um, I didn't catch all the matches since some of the good ones are at three a.m. in my time zone. So I used to have a very bad um sleep schedule. I might, I could have caught it, but currently I'm trying to fix it. Trying to get to bed earlier than than um, so uh, I'm guessing trying to be a bit healthier in my sleep schedule saying that <laughs> I did uh, catch some of yeah, France versus Germany when I say some it's like most of it <laughs> and that game was that game was I would say make me believe that France might be winning the Euro because okay, okay uh, again France versus Germany France won one zero, but there were chances offsides and everything and attacking prowess with defensive capabilities France displayed Mbappe had a chance um Benzema had a chance, both offside. Um, but yeah, um, and France to me looks better overall. Germany might too. I don't know, but Joachim Low, Joachim Low has. I'm guessing the consensus is his ran out of ideas in that team because he's been there for since two thousand two. Wait, no. 2006. That's a really long time coaching Germany. Holy shit. <laughs> but Germany might. They have chances. But um, they're not concrete as of yet. We'll see. Um, the other favourites is Belgium. Uh, which won 3-0 against um, Russia. Belgium 
for me, our favorites, but <laughs> this is weird to say, but they are too, they are so good at attacking that they might not win. Um, previously, you know, based on history and whatnot, um, the team with the better defense uh, usually will win the competition because national teams are less chemistry based since they don't pl- they don't play with each other regularly so a sturdier defense with a more predictable attacking prowess usually wins the uh, a cup tournament a national cup tournament but i could be wrong um we saw Brazil did some really good shit previously. But anyways, wait. Um, hold up, hold that thought. Uh, I'm gonna take a break. Uh, sorry for the start and stop. Uh, I had to go to the toilet and take a dump. <laughs> so anyways, where was I? Yeah, yeah. Belgium versus Russia with 3-0. Yeah. I was saying that attacking teams in a cup tournament usually falls worse in the later stages. Okay, let's see the last, the past um, previous cup, World Cups, Euros and things like that. Uh, Portugal won the Euros previously, defensive team. Uh, France won the World Cup two years ago, three years ago. Sorry, <laughs> um, I would say that is more of a balanced team. Um, they're attacking. And I would say no, no. I would say it's a defensive team because previously they didn't bring Benzema. It was Giro, and um, it was um, Mbappe leading the lines and. He, as prolific as he was, he is, the, 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 that team was basically won by Kante and, <laughs> and, and the defense of Varane and... Ah, oh crap, I forgot. It's not top of my head. But anyways, yeah. Uh, Varane and... Give me a sec. Yeah, Varane and Ntiti. Which... <laughs> Sadly enough, fucked his knee beyond repair now. So, but yeah, I would say he would think that it's worth it being in the squad and winning a World Cup. But yeah, the attacking of Mbappe and Griezmann was really good. But the star of the show was the defense. I would say France is an overall balanced team, but. I would say maybe 60% defense, 40% attack on that balance. So, um, then, yeah, Euro was Portugal. Then the World Cup prior was Germany. Yeah, that one, okay, that one was a bit of an attacking team because... uh, 7-1 7-1 Brazil and whatnot. <laughs> but 
Yeah, even in the finals, it was nil nil until Mario got some, got the uh, winner in addition extra time. So again, more again balance, but more to its defense again too. So, and we can't forget two thousand four Euro, which was Greece, the most defensive team ever to defense and to win a European Championship. Holy shit! Yeah, it was Greece. So yeah, I'm I'm not saying that attacking team haven't won big tournaments, but we see an overall pattern. That defensive team usually won. I don't know. I might be talking in my out of my ass here, so I might be wrong. We might then we'll see what happens next. But again, France looks solid. Um, Belgium looks good, but again, attacking team. We'll see how they defense. They defend in in. In the later stages of the competition, Netherlands is whew, holy shit three two against. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Netherlands. I'm not gonna put my money on Netherlands winning. They might go far. We'll see. But one. But here's the thing: Frank de Boer, the coach, is so hated. In Netherlands, that he might just win this uh, tournament out of spite, and if that happens, I'm all for it. <laughs> I'm all for a spiteful manager winning the tournament, just just to rub it in on on the haters' faces. It's like if that happens, like more entertainment, awesome. Um, I don't know. If we should talk about England. England was. Okay. They had, they dom. I wouldn't say dominated, but they, they were comfortably, um, on the on the dom on the winning. They were winning in possession, but they won one nil against Croatia. Cro- uh, mind you, that Croatia is a really good team, however aging, so that's. That's the. That's the I would say. Context that you need to keep in mind, and. And England had, some good chances, but they just didn't, convert. Sterling, got the goal, and. Even that was I would say, a tad bit fortunate because, Sterling being Sterling. He could have missed that <laughs> goal, but uh, Kelvin Phillips looks good. But just one match. Uh, speaking of Kelvin Phillips and basically Euros in general, we're gonna see a lot of players' uh, prices skyrocket um, after the tournament when transfer windows when the transfer windows open, and. I wouldn't be surprised if one of the top six teams in England would buy Calvin Phillips after that performance he had against Croatia. We'll see though. But uh, 
pattern dictates that um, might probably be right on that assumption. Okay, halfway through the podcast, I'm guessing that we should talk about E3 finally. Um, I'll open by saying that it was a meh E3. It had some good. It didn't have didn't have a lot of bad, but eighty percent of it was meh for me. It's like there's no big ass bomb announcements. There was no PlayStation since PlayStation usually does his their own thing. So I'll preface this by saying that I'm more of a of a single player kind of gamer. I'm not that into multiplayer. So all the multiplayer showcases to me, it's the it's okay, whatever. It looks good, but I'm not getting excited for it. So this is just my opinion. Other people might say that this E3 was the best or whatever, Battlefield 2042 and whatnot. Which, by the way, looks good. Don't get me wrong. Looks really, really good. But again, it's a military shooter. So eh, what do I know? (laughs) Um, So we'll open with the Summer Game Fest, which... I'm really sorry to Jeff Keighley because I'm pretty sure that he wants to do his show, the Summer Game Fest, as something not related to E3. But since it's happening within the same week, people are just going to assume that it's a E3 event, which I don't think it is. Anyways, we open with... We opened with the Summer Game Fest. A lot of indie games, a lot of okay, but obviously the biggest talking point, and this is for me one of the 20% that excites me about this easily. Elden Ring, motherfuckers. Finally get Elden Ring. After, I think what the last, the first and last tease was 2019. Holy shit, yeah. So, to took two years to finally actually show them what... Um, to show us, I'm sorry, <laughs> what the gameplay looks like. Not even gameplay, what the game looks like. And for me, the setting is just fine but it's from soft so i'm always hopeful about the gameplay because the setting looks like dark souls but open world more the the, the monsters look better more more grotesque more weird i like weird that's why bloodborne is my favorite of the souls game uh, then Sekiro 
Dark Souls for me. I played one Dark Souls one, and that's about it. I didn't play two and three. I didn't play Demon Souls because um I have I didn't have P I have don't have a PS five yet, and I didn't play it when it came out on PS three. Oh. So there there wasn't a lot of um experience for me to compare but it looks more dark soulish rather than bloodborne or sekiro obviously it's not sekiro since next sekiro is a feudal japan with japanese um, folklore monsters and things like that um, however one minor concern i'm i think i have is the open worldness of the game because if you have played any of the FromSoft games, the Dark Souls, the the Sekiro's, the Bloodborne's, you know it's the the intricate level designs of all the games are one of the best. Basically, I would say top three games levels design of any modern video games um, however being when it becomes open world I, I don't know how they're gonna incorporate lab, uh, those level designs in the future so that had me slightly concerned I wouldn't be worried though because uh, from soft their track record has been freakingly superb so that's that so I just hope that it doesn't go Breath of the Wild to me I, I'm not saying Breath of the Wild was bad <laughs> I'm just saying that that it feels less Zelda-ish um, compared to prior Zelda games People love Breath of the Wild, so I, I need to, I need to mind how I phrase this. But Breath of the Wild is a good game, but I don't know if it's a good Zelda game because Zelda games usually have um, gadget progressions um, where you, where you get uh, items in the in the future to traverse back on all the unlockables and things like that and when Breath of the Wild level design is good but it being open world means that you get all the all the tools that you need up front so so they can give you freedom so I'm I'm a bit concerned on on Elden Ring if that's the case for them basically since it's open world and you can go anywhere um, the level design is less intricate, but again, if the other the other expert if the other aspects of the games are world class, that might just be a minor concern for me. Um, so other than that, Summer Game Fest was just again okay. They string us along good though. Uh, I didn't catch all of it since again it was 2am 
my time. So I just woke up and saw Elder Ring. It's like, yeah, good to know. Uh, then after that, the first official E3 day was uh, Ubisoft and things like that. Which, if you know me, I'm not big a big fan of Ubisoft games. It's a lot of padding. <laughs> Um, they showed Far Cry 6 They showed some other The Mario and Rabbit was What got people excited though Because <laughs> Funnily enough Ironically enough It's not A Ubisoft type game It's not an open Because Here's the thing When you play Ubisoft games The current modern Ubisoft games you know what you're gonna get, open world, uh, with a lot of side missions that usually copy paste, and some um, linear. I wouldn't say linear, but some a set main quest, and that's about it. There's just a lot of side quests padding though. So again, it's not something for me I don't want to grind in my single-player games <laughs> so yeah Ubisoft things was okay um, what else on was on day one uh, give me a set I'll check yeah I'm guessing that's it about day one the others are uh, 2k things which had nothing had uh, Tiny Tina's Wonderland, which is a Borderlands 3 DLC, which, again, not for me. So, I, I, I got, but I saw a lot of people online was excited for that. So, good for them. Um, so uh, day two, day two was better um, because of um, the Bethesda Xbox. Uh, presentation which I'm which f again the that thing was 80% meh and 20% really good like the most meh thing for me was Starfield people was, were waiting details about Starfield and they just showed some teaser cinematic trailer which for me is like eh such an inconsequential reveal however 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 though i really loved uh, the outer worlds 2 trailer which again also cinematic but it's so tongue-in-cheek that couldn't help but laugh and i loved uh the outer worlds 1 and the game that game was a bit top heavy basically the, the first world was really good then after that i guess they ran out of budget and the the other worlds feel a bit less in depth um however since they're now under microsoft's banner they have more money <laughs> budget to play, play around so i'm hoping that this time they the the thing would be better the, the 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 overall experience would be more in depth but i'm i'm yeah 
I'm excited for that. Oh, I'm I'm really excited for Psychonauts two. I love Psychonauts one. I didn't play it on PS two, unfortunately. I I got it. Like maybe the four or five years later on Steam when it came out, Psychonauts one. I mean, it, when it came out on the Humble Bundle um, game, and for me, it blends in the 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 cartoon weirdness and the A plus uh, voice acting with the A plus uh, platforming. So. It's a, for me, it's a cult classic that I really, really love. So I'm excited for Psychonauts 2. Uh, and again, it's under Microsoft. So uh, Tim might have more budget to play around with. Funny enough, it, it was, it was uh, a Kickstarter game that got so successful that it's getting a AAA budget. So... Fingers crossed. I hope it's good. Um, there's also a Square Enix presentation. Um, the only thing that is of note for me there is the Team Ninja's Final Fantasy stand, um, spin-off game. Which, the demo came out. I can't play it since it's PS5 only. It looks a bit rough. Because I saw people streaming it, I saw Maximilian Dude streaming streaming it. Basically, um, it's really r- the gameplay looks neo-ish, which again by Team Ninja. So it, them, I'm guessing they're use yeah, they're reskinning a lot of things using the same animation, same games mechanics from Neo, but in a in a Final Fantasy setting. It's a bit darker. The, the it's a bit it's more dark fantasy than the whimsical fantasy of Final Fantasy of previous iterations. However, it looks a bit generic. What I saw and what I heard commented was the gameplay feels good, but when I but the gameplay looks um, not inspiring. I'm really hoping that they, they polished it before launch. Because I like Neo. I didn't love Neo, but I like Neo. But there are some foreseeable issues that. I think might be getting in the way. Other thing, okay. Anyways, we'll talk about other things. Another thing was again yeah, the the Battlefield twenty forty two announcement looks good, looks okay, but not my cup of tea. So, um, Atomic Heart looks good though. Uh, Atomic Heart looks like. Um, like a Russian uh, Bioshock slash System Shock kind of game. So, if they do things like that with um, engaging story story and uh, above average gameplay, might be 
something that that's for me. Uh, I think so. Yeah, the the Ubisoft thing there was a Avatar game, not last Avenger, the the James Cameron Avatar Avatar game. So looks first person. It's like eh, it's okay, whatever. It's Ubisoft. So again, not not getting my hoops up. Not a hater, but. Mm. Um, oh yeah, speaking of Square Enix, um, Guardians of Galaxy game. Uh, the consensus online looks, people looks to really like it. For me, it looks above average. Um, I would, I have faith in Dan Abnett, uh, in case you don't know. Uh, Dan Abner is writing Guardians of the Galaxy game, which he also wrote the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, reboot in 2008, I think, that that had the current roster that eventually becomes the Guardians of the Galaxy MCU. So, you have the foundation writer there, so I'm guessing that the story would be um, at least good to great seeing on, on how they execute it um, gameplay looks a bit mm, ab- above average not not something blown mind-blowing so we'll see the voice acting though um, here's the my controversial take did I liked I like them enough, but it feels like they are trying to portray the movie version. Not Gamora. Gamora looks... Gamora feels like the the comic book Gamora. The other um, characters feel like they trying to imitate the MCU Gal- uh, Guardians of the Galaxy a bit. So that, to me, lives me a bit concerned on them trying to get uh crap sorry about that anyways where was i um oh yeah um guardians of galaxy so yeah i hope um it's just me and i hope i'm wrong and the voice acting actually becomes stellar, but as of now, it's that 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 there is a jankiness. I wouldn't say jankiness. I would say a bit of um, trying to imitate instead of trying to do things on their own. I hope it's not another Avengers. But again, it's um they came out and say it's a single player story driven game so that elevates some of my concerns speaking of that speaking of Avengers and their life uh, life service game um, they came out with the event the Wakanda expansion looks m- might be trying they might try to redeem that game 
for the future, but we don't know who sees. Also, this tangent goes directly back to another life service game that at first I was excited about this game but as soon as they mentioned that it's gonna be a life service game the hype for me just went down which is Babylon uh, Babylon's Fall it's a platinum platinum games um, game <laughs> such a weird thing to say such a weird structure but anyways it's a platinum games game um I, and as and I'll let you know that platinum games are some of my favorite have produced some of my favorite games um, Bayonetta Secret Franchise mm. um, Vanquish mm. wait I'm blanking oh, basically near Automata and Kamiya basically was from Capcom made Devil May Cry 1 and things like that so Platinum for me in the past have had stellar records uh, of making action games but seriously I was so looking forward to that game and once they announced it and they said this game is going to be a live service game for me the hype just plummeted to the floor it's like Oh no, that so much, so much potential just being killed for me. Again, I hope that I'm wrong because what, what I want in life is to have good games to play. But time and time again, um, we see corporate meddling in games production that basically kill any chances of that game success being a success just for the just for it trying to make an extra quick buck so I hope Babylon's Fall is actually a good game but as of now, my doubt of that happening is really high. <laughs> um, oh, there's a Sea of Thieves uh, Jack Sparrow announcement. That's funny. <laughs> and then we'll go to the last day of E3. There are some other things that they'll announce, but... This is for me like the last thing that the big the big shows of E3. Basically, um, uh, Nintendo announcements. Okay, first of all, before we begin that, Nintendo, why are you so backwards, backass on how the internet works? Uh, seriously. Your games are so good, but your your way of thinking in, in the modern sense in the internet age is so backwards that uh, that it makes me I wouldn't say mad, but it makes me 
frustrated. Uh, okay, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, it's basically them saying that, making an announcement that please do not restream or do a reaction sh- uh, stream show with their E3 content. I mean, there is some, maybe parts of it I understand because they want to protect their own IP but holy shit dude restreaming and doing reaction shows are free promotions and when and that's the thing their marketing team I wouldn't their marketing team in Nintendo are so so I don't I don't I don't know a good way to say it but I'll basically say that they are successful Nintendo as a com- company is successful success, successful in spite of their marketing team because they made such good te- uh, such good games but anyways going back to the reveals itself what things that there are a lot of things that are good, thank God. But it didn't, like, hype me up. There are good um, announcements. But, again, it's overall average to good. I wouldn't say it's mind-blowing. The biggest thing, obviously, it was the Breath of the Wild 2. But, again, that is a cinematic trailer. It didn't show too much gameplay, so we don't know. How much much about the game um, Metroid 5 Metroid Dread I don't know if it's Metroid 5 but it's Metroid Dread the ti- as the title implies that game was revealed um, so that's something that to look forward to um, uh, yeah, uh, the Mario and Rabbits sequel which also is a Ubisoft thing oh WarioWare was um, WarioWare was a nice surprise I don't know if I'll buy it I might but we'll see but WarioWare goes back to the reminiscing nostalgia driven things from the GameCube age and the uh, Game Boy Advance age. Speaking of Game Game Boy Advance, Advance Wars One and Two remake looks a, the the graphics looks a bit meh. But if the gameplay is solid, I wouldn't mind giving it a try again. The game was really hard when I tried it. Uh, when I was young, I don't know how old was I. I was in high. I was in middle school. So anyway, this was a long time ago. So that was awesome. Um, the Smash uh, Ultimate character reveal was Kazuya from Tekken. I haven't played Smash for a while though, so it's not my. I had fun with it, but it's currently it's not. Think something that. I am 
uh, in my radar. But, uh, there, there was a joke though, um, saying that this is the best Street Fighter cross Tekken game we're ever gonna get since yeah. <laughs> so that 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 made me laugh. Um, uh, Shin Megami Tensei Five. That is. That is something that I'm really looking forward to. Not hype, I seen like Final Fantasy hype, but <laughs> that is for me the top of the pile for now because it's coming soon, and it's a it's a game that I know have very little formula tweaks from previous generations. So we'll I'll know what I'm getting into, but with just newer, updated graphics and maybe some new innovative gameplay. Um, other things, mm, yeah, not so much. People love talk. People love Diablo Two re- remastered, not remastered, sorry, remake. So not really I don't really care about that since Activision Blizzard hasn't made a good game in ages to me so what else that um and yeah that's about it oh yeah Tales of Arise but there's a there's a BAMCO conf short conference in, uh, in two days time so we'll see what that is about I'm guessing they'll they'll elaborate more on Tales of Arise which that is also another game I'm looking forward to so that's that also speaking before we close uh, Capcom holy shit there's nothing for Capcom to show so I don't know why they booked a slot for E3 there's just DLCs for RE8 and uh, great Ace Attorney, which I'm a fan of Ace Attorney, but we've already known that announcement prior. So I love Capcom's Capcom games, but holy shit, that's just to me a waste of time. So get it together, Capcom. I mean, Capcom marketing team. Your games are so far so good. So they don't need to fix any of that but marketing marketing team get your ass together so I don't know yeah that's about it for E3 not much else oh yeah currently I'm just speaking of games play I'm playing Guilty Gear Strive which is so far so good I mean, really, really good. <laughs> and I'm playing PSO2 New Genesis with friends just because that's the social thing that I can be doing with friends right now since lockdown has been extended to end of June. So we'll see. It might be extended again if cases haven't dropped down and vaccination rates don't go up. So on that happy note, I'm going to get end today's episode so 
Hope to see you guys again next week. Bye-bye.